0: Hey everybody, I don't know about you but there are times in my life where I just kind of feel like I'm spent, that there's nothing left. It's like you can call it coming to the end of yourself so to speak and that's the name of our message this morning is coming to the end of yourself, the end of yourself. You may relate, you know it's uh it's a sense that you're not up to whatever's coming at you. And it, and it can come in, in different ways. It's like it can be something that kind of builds up one thing after another, and then something else happens, and then it, it accumulates. Or, or it might be a situation that comes in like a flood, and, you know, you're overwhelmed. It's more, you feel like it's more than you can handle. Either way, the end result is you find yourself at a loss, You're spent emotionally, physically, even sometimes spiritually. And in that moment, you wonder how you're going to make it through. You know, how am I going to make it? I mean, can anybody relate? I mean, maybe you're there right now. You know, maybe through this COVID season, it's brought you to that point or something that's going on. Now, I don't know. Some might think that maybe you're not supposed to talk like this if you're a pastor, or, or maybe you're not supposed to think this way or, or talk like that when you're a leader. But um, there are times when, in my own life, where I just don't feel like I've got what it takes. There's times when I just come to the end of myself. Now, that sounds rather discouraging. It, it, well, it, in the very least, it, it can be humbling. I'll say that. But there's actually a glorious thing about this as one who follows Jesus, and that's this. When we come to the end of ourselves, God is there. I want to pause for a second and pray before I get into it. God, I thank you. That you are there even in the midst of the times when we come to the end of ourselves. And Lord, I pray that even through this message, you will encourage some people. You will help us to tap into the resources of heaven. You'll help us to, to connect with the heart of God in the situations that we find ourselves and the conditions that we find ourselves in real time, in a very real life, in, in a very real Christian walk. So God, I pray for each one that's listening, those maybe that might be discouraged, those that are on top of the world right now, God, that there would be something in this message that would speak to them and they could take away. In Jesus' name, amen. So when you come to the end of yourself, God is there. You know, too often, I think, in church circles, we we respond to someone's, situation, somebody's overwhelmedness, if that's even a word, overwhelmedness, with a bit of a cliche. Maybe we, we take a scripture and we just kind of throw it in there without actually really connecting with where the person is at. Or even sometimes we can be guilty of diminishing a person's sense of, of where they're at. And, and someone gets honest and, and we diminish that or dismiss it. You know, the challenges that we face are real. Very real. And, and it's different for different people. And, 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 it, and my issues are different from your issues. And your issues are different from my issues. But, but that doesn't make them any less real and any less important. They're just different. So I guess the question I want to explore today as we, as we look into this is, how do we access God's sufficiency, God's strength, when we're at the end of our strength? How do we find peace in the midst of the chaos? Like, how do we find the calm in the storm? And how do we overcome the anxiety that sometimes comes at us when we're just overwhelmed and our mind is racing and there's so many different things? So what do we do when we're at the end of ourselves? There's, there's an account in the gospel, uh, in, in several of the gospels, it's referred to the woman with the issue of blood. And I want to read from Luke. And it's a story of this woman. Jesus is traveling. He's responding to a very urgent need of a sick child. And along the way, this this woman shows up. So Luke chapter 8, verses 43 to 48. And it says this, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. And many manuscripts add, and she had spent all she had on doctor's. But no one could heal her. She came up behind Jesus and touched the edge of his cloak. And immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. And when they all denied it, Peter said, Master, I mean, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. When the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and and fell at his feet. And in the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him. And how she'd been instantly healed. Then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. I mean, how incredible. Can you imagine being that woman? I mean, just for a little context, in the Old Testament, any woman under the circumstances and the condition that this woman was in would have been considered unclean. She would have been unwelcomed in so many different ways. She would have been unclean physically, physically, Relationally, in, in the context of worship, she would have been shunned. So this would have, been, this would have presented more than just an inconvenience for this woman. And the, in the, in the account was on to say that she had exhausted her resources. She had spent all she had. This woman was desperate. She was at the end of herself. And in this moment of desperation, she reaches out. And she forces herself through the crowd and she touches the edge of Jesus' garment. And when she was, she was completely healed. She found healing in that moment. And Jesus acknowledged that her faith healed her. Faith in Jesus. The belief that this touch would be enough. And she was healed. Now... Your challenge, my challenge, may not be this idea of an issue of blood. And the physical Jesus, the actual Jesus, isn't walking down quimpole, making his way to the hospital to heal a sick child. But the principle here is that, just like this woman, when she reached the end of herself, Jesus was the answer. And I believe he still is. And I believe he is in our context as much as he was in her context. But how do we do that? How do we access the resources of heaven? What is it for us to touch the edge of Jesus' cloak? What is it for us to make that connection? I heard someone recently telling of, of being, they'd been sick for a while. They, things were kind of overwhelming. Things hadn't been good. And, and they were feeling very much down discouraged and and a colleague that was with them gave them this advice they said go home and fill your mind fill yourself with truth and in saying that they were meaning go go find God's truth for you like go go into scripture you know read some scripture promises and and just ingest that you know the truth that they referred to was the word of God John 8 verses 31 and 32 says to the Jews who had believed in him being Jesus. Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The, the Bible provides truth. The, the, the teachings of Jesus are truth. What, what God is speaking over your situation right now is truth. And that truth has the power and potential to set us free. There's freedom in it. And it's not just knowing something. There, there's, there, you, know, you can get it into your head and have a knowledge, but it's, like it's, it's beyond that. It's having the courage, the determination, the ability to engage it, to, to bring it into our own reality, to tap into it and to apply it. Sometimes that's, that's difficult, especially in, in a time of, of, of real crisis. Often one of the hardest things to overcome when, when we're in a challenge, when we're in a crisis, is, is our feelings, our emotions. Um, you know, we shouldn't deny our feelings. I'm not saying that. Our feelings are real. They're a natural response, both internally and externally, to, to our circumstances and things that happen to us. It's, it's a, it comes out of us. It's, it's a reaction. I mean, we feel fear. We feel anger. We feel anxiety. You know, we feel joy. We feel, we feel hatred. We feel there's so many emotions that come out of us. Helplessness, discouragement. We don't deny that. But we often need context. We often need some sort of truth to be able to process those feelings in an emotionally, mentally, and spiritually healthy way. Just because you feel certain things doesn't mean they're true. You're like, what? Well, okay, you might be in a situation and you feel like, well, it was all my fault. You may feel that way, but that might not necessarily be all the facts. You know, you, you might feel that... that um, there might be a situation where you, where you feel like there is no solution, that there's no way out. You may feel that way, but that doesn't necessarily mean that there is no solution. And, and just because you feel like you're all alone doesn't mean that God is not with you. So sometimes we have to have that truth to be able to process our feelings. Psalm 145 verse 13 Says, Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all His promises, He is faithful in all He does. We don't deny our feelings, okay? They're real, but we process them by applying truth. God is trustworthy, God is faithful, God will never leave us or forsake us. It's the same with our minds the way we think, those patterns that happen in there and the way we process things, the way we think is huge in how we process our world. It ultimately affects what we believe and how we act when we think about or what we think about. And it can really mess us up at times. I mean, I don't know about you, but me, it's like my thinking can really mess me up at times. And we need to look at getting our mind, getting our thoughts under control. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 says this, We demolish our arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We take captive every thought. Now, you might argue you can't change how you think. It just comes out of nowhere. It's just, it's just there. It's in my mind. I don't have control over that. Well, really? We have no control over our thoughts? I, I would argue that we do. Okay, for just a second, I want to do a, a little social experiment here. Okay, I want you to think of a pink elephant. Okay, close your eyes for just a second. Okay, picture a pink elephant. And thank you for playing along. It's good. Okay, so you got that? Well, hi, well here, th- here's the reality of it. I know it's a silly example, but in that moment... You went from listening to me talk about how we think to picturing a pink elephant. You were able to do that. And, and, and if you can think about a pink elephant during a message, as I'm speaking to you now, then you actually have the ability to take your thoughts captive. It's not easy. I'm not saying that. But it is possible. And it's possible because God makes it possible. Okay? 2 Corinthians 1, 21-22 says, now it is god who makes both us and you stand firm in christ he anoints us sets his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come the ability to stand the ability to stand up against even our mind it's it's through the power of the holy spirit and we And we grasp that, like, we get that with the Holy Spirit. But it's also a process that we work on. Paul, talking to the church in Rome, he says, he says we need to renew our mind. We need to change the way we think. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. It's the... It's that interaction between belief, right thinking, and right action. And it's the intersection of those things. The renewing of the mind. We can't, we can't stop our minds. I mean, some people would argue, well, maybe you do. But no, we, we, we can't really stop our minds. So we have to displace wrong thinking with right thinking. It, uh, just as a, as a way to describe that. Imagine if I had a drinking glass that was full of muddy water. Okay, so dirty water. So If we can think of the lacking the ability to turn off our brains as, as means that you know, we can't just dump it out. We have to have it. One of the ways that we can clean and make what's, what this, what's in this glass drinkable is to actually keep pouring clean water into that glass and it will displace the dirty water. So as the process comes, the more clean water you pour into that glass, the more clean it becomes. It's a process. It takes time. But eventually you'll be able to drink that glass of water. So that's the same with our thoughts. And Paul, in his letter to the Philippians, in chapter 4, verses 8 and 9, he describes what that clean water is. He gives us, he gives us that, that antidote, if you will. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you, accessing the hem of his garment. Think about whatever is true, noble, right, pure admirable, praiseworthy, have a good report. You, you concentrate on those things. Now, in the middle of a crisis, I'm sure that's right where your mind goes. Well, no, mine doesn't either. It's not easy. It's not easy to think about the pure, the good, the holy, the praiseworthy when we're, when we're up to our neck in something. It's especially a, a, when we're in the midst of a challenge, it's expe- especially different, difficult. But I believe as we exercise that discipline of cleansing our mind, as we continue to pour in the clean water over and over again, it will help us in those times to be able to access the peace of God and to bring our thoughts into into alignment with God, to tap into something greater than our own strength and in our own mind, and we can find peace. We have beliefs. We have beliefs. We, we, have, we have faith. We have promises. Strength comes as we believe those beliefs. Faith comes as we, as we exercise that faith. You know, peace comes when we, when we really tap into and find hope in the promises of God. Are you feeling anxious? Sometimes I do. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I mean, that's that's touching the edge of his cloak in prayer. Like, that's finding that wholeness in him in prayer. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now, I just want to add here for, for anyone listening to me that there are times when all of us need help in this. There are times that we all need someone to come alongside of us. There are times when when seeing a counselor, a professional counselor, is probably one of the most spiritual, godly, biblical things that we can do. I mean, the Scripture tells us to encourage one another. There's, there's no shame in, in accessing, prevent, there is no shame in accessing professional help when we need it. It's actually something that, that we should take strength in and, and I encourage anyone, most people, if not all people, at some point in their lives, it would be very good for them to do that. I know personally, I found it extremely beneficial for me in those times when I've had the opportunity to speak to a professional counselor to help me with my thinking and get some perspective and get help as I'm processing what this very real world will throw us at us at times and the feelings and emotions and thoughts that go with it. And nothing in the midst of that, nothing, nothing can replace that bringing our very real, very authentic self to Jesus. But I do believe that God works through professionals and pastors, and there's no shame in that. There's a song we're going to sing in in just a minute. And, And part of the lyrics of that song is, it says, have you come to the end of yourself? Do you long for a drink from the well? And then the chorus goes on and says, Oh, come to the altar. In the Bible, altars were places where the divine and human worlds interacted. Altars were places of of exchange, of communication, of communion, and of of influence. It it represented coming to God. It was a step of faith. It was a place to meet with the Almighty and, and to bring something and to leave it there and to encounter God, it was an act of worship. So for us today, the altar, it, it represents the edge of, of Jesus' cloak. It's that point of intersection. It's where that woman found healing. So, so as we begin to worship and as we go into this song, I want us to bring our thoughts. I want us to, to bring our concerns. I want us to bring our, our, our triumphs. And our failures. And I want, to, want us to bring them to the altar in faith. Believing to meet Jesus there. And to find strength beyond our own. To find, to find hope. To find peace. To find healing. I'm praying that, that you will find hope in his promises this morning. I'm praying that even though you may be at the end of yourself. That you will find hope in Christ. And that you will find in him strength, that you will find in him peace, that you will find in him his all-sufficiency in your very real situation. Even after this service, there will be a time for folks, where folks will be available um, after the live stream, to, to pray with folks if they want that. If, if you want to connect with somebody to pray, that we're going to be doing that right after. The the live stream and we're gonna make that possible. Um, um, there there was a an email sent out Thursday that had a link to this that time of prayer. So if you're looking for prayer, um, even one on one prayer, that is that's the place to do that. And and if you didn't get that email and you want that sometime between now and the end of the service, if you could either. Uh, Uh, direct message us or send an email to office at faithhalifax.org saying that you know you would like prayer then we will send you the link to that time of prayer and we'll be able to do that at that point so just before we go into worship and we're about to do that let's let's have a brief time of prayer god we just thank you that even when we come to the end of ourselves jesus god you are there so in faith god we reach out lord we want to touch the the hem of your cloak the the edge of your garment lord god we want to we want to make that that connection with you and find in that the hope the healing the 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 strength to face the days ahead god we recognize that there's some here that are like almost on cloud nine things are going really well And, and that's fantastic god we celebrate that but god we also recognize that there are those here whether others know it or not that are at the end of themselves they're, they're at that point where it's like if one more disappointment or one more change or one more challenge or one more some sort of catastrophe. If anything else, they just feel like one more thing will be one thing too many. God, we turn to you in that. We we, we, we admit it, God. We bring it in honesty and we say, God, I don't think I can handle one more thing. And God, in that honesty, in that coming to the altar, bringing that honesty and leaving it with you, God, I believe you will meet with us there, and we will find a strength, we will find a hope that we didn't even know was possible. So God, meet with your people, even as we go to worship, in Jesus' name, amen.